Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Spreading the Word. I'm your host, Paul Basanti, and today we're continuing our series on the nature of Jesus. We talked about the divinity of Christ, his nature as a, an instrument of God's creation, as the logos, as the word, as the light. Uh, and today we're going to couple that with Jesus's humanity. Who was Jesus Christ the man? What did he come to accomplish? What were the things that he went through in his life as a man? And how is that something that's important to us as Christians? Can we live in a world where we think that Jesus was just a good man or uh, ignore the godly aspect of who he was? Or do we live in a world where we don't really think that Jesus was a real man, he was kind of a spiritual being and just God? What implications do those mindsets have on our faith? And today I hope to address some of those and, and bring into a full appreciation of the dual nature of Christ as both divine and human. So without any further ado, we'll jump right into it. Good morning, church. Well, I want to start by asking, what are some human emotions that you feel, that you know, that we collectively just know as humans? Uh, you can be sad, happy, you can be in love, uh, you can be angry, maybe jealous, bitter, scared, or lonely even. Uh, there's, there's any number of emotions that we feel as humans, and... Uh, I want to use that idea of those human emotions that we go through as God's creation to sort of spin into uh, a lesson about Jesus as man. You see, last week we started a series about uh, Jesus's nature. Uh, he's both fully God and fully man, and we focused on the divinity of Christ. Today, we're focusing on the humanity of Christ and investigating how Jesus was fully human, just like we are. How many of you have been going through something tough and maybe just needed someone to be there with you through that, to support you, to be a friend, maybe not someone who's fixing a problem for you, but just someone who's there supporting you? Uh, recently, I've been reading through Mark, and we see the passage of him in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, three times as Jesus is praying all nights, he pleads with his friends, his disciples, to stay with him, just to stay awake and pray. And, and those three times, he's met by his sleeping disciples. You see, Jesus was going through one of the darkest, loneliest, scariest points of his ministry right before he was given into the hands of the Sanhedrin to be crucified, ultimately. And Jesus knew this, and as a man, he was scared. He knew what was about to be placed on his shoulders. The emphasis out of this example of, of his ministry is, is definitely on his being aware of what's about to happen. And his, his prayer is that he wouldn't fall into temptation, that he wouldn't, he wouldn't give in to the human temptations and emotions that were trying to pull him away from God's will. This passage to me really underscores Jesus' humanity because 
there's this possibility that he just needed his friends to be with him during his time of greatest anxiousness on this world. The book of Mark itself is full of references to Jesus' humanity. In chapter 6, verse 31, we see that Jesus and his disciples withdraw from this clamoring crowd of, of witnesses to rest and to, to pray and to, to, to be removed from that. As compassionate as he was, human rest and sleepfulness <laughs> to get through the ministry he was doing was an important aspect. In later on in chapter 6 and verse 34, even though he does want to withdraw and he starts to withdraw, ultimately the compassion that's in his heart leads him back to serving this crowd. Uh, we see example of indignant behavior in Jesus. We, in, we see that when the disciples are rebuking the crowd for bringing children to Jesus, the, the passage says he's indignant towards his disciples. We see that Jesus has love for the rich young ruler in chapter 10, verse 21. Jesus is hungry in chapter 11, verse 12, and when the fig tree doesn't produce fruit for him, he curses it. Maybe he's a little hangry on top of hungry, but uh, we see in chapter 11, verse 14, that Jesus is angry with how the temple is being treated and drives out the money changers. I'm, I'm focusing on Mark right now, but if, if you pick up where I'm going, we see throughout all of the Gospels that there are evidences there throughout that Jesus is a man, that Jesus goes through the same emotions that we go through. He experiences those emotions in the same way that we do. The prophecies from the Old Testament point to Jesus as being a man. Not only these evidences in the New Testament of Jesus' life, but the prophecies themselves point to Jesus being a man. The emotions that Jesus experienced in the gospel isn't the only thing that confirms his humanity. It was prophesied by Isaiah. I'm going to read a passage in uh, Isaiah chapter 52 uh, referred to as the, the servant song. This is the fourth of four servant songs. And the, the first three I'll, I'll summarize, but we won't read those. The first song occurs in chapter 42 of Isaiah between verses 1 and 9. And this is about the appointment of the Messiah, the anointed one, as a servant or a trusted envoy. And we see that God is delighted in him. The second song starts in chapter 49, verses 1 to 13. And it talks about how this servant is going to, to labor in his ministry and God ultimately strengthens him. The third song starts in chapter 50, verse 4 through 11, and this is the darkest one. It, it talks about how the servant is smitten and shamed, but God helps him. The fourth song we'll read now, starting in Isaiah chapter 52. Verse 12. But you will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. 
See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted, just as there were many who were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told they will see, and what they have not heard they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom the people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed." We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned and a grave he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. We see the servant here exalted and then savagely disfigured. This this passage, this fourth servant song, raises the Messiah up and then dashes it against a rock. It says that the Messiah will be pierced and crushed for our transgressions. Throughout these four songs, we see the humanity of God's servant, of the Messiah, of Jesus, put on display. We see the servant transition from this encouraged, strengthened, faithful servant to a submissive, laboring in service, reliant on God for strength kind of servant into one that is self-sacrificing and then ultimately uh, is exalted for his sacrifice that he made for us. I can't think of a more human portrayal of a servant, of, of a hero who is going through this amazing uh, call and then submits to the will of God, makes a sacrifice of himself, and then receives the reward for his righteous living. 
Jesus was a sin offering and becomes a new high priest for us. You see, God's servant had to experience humanity for a reason. Not only is the envoy of God meant to be a sin offering for us, but a high priest suitable of making that sin offering. Let's read Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we protest. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. The thing that strikes me in the midst of this passage here in Hebrews talking about how this high priest, this high priest of the new covenant, the Messiah, is going to be like the high priest of the old covenant. The high priest of the old covenant was from the people so that he had the ability to relate to the weaknesses that the people had. Jesus has that same ability to relate to the weaknesses of us because he was one of us. He was a man that lived on this earth and faced the same weaknesses, the same emotions, the same human condition that we have, with the exception being that he did not fall into sin. We see in the servant songs that the Messiah is described as not even breaking or bruising a reed or a tender shoot. And we see here in this passage in Hebrew that he is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray. How amazing is that, that our Savior, that our our King, that our God was also a man that knows how to deal with us gently in our failings. An almighty God who rules with an iron fist, totally separate from humanity, would lack the compassion needed to deal gently with humans that are going astray. Think of some other pictures of God. If you're 
thinking about a, a Muslim theology, Allah is a vengeful God who takes retribution against unbelievers. If you think about Greek or Roman mythology, those gods are largely just unconcerned with the lives of humans because they're these puny little things stuck to the bottom of their shoe and they're more concerned with their lives as, as gods. The unique aspect of the one true God is that he lived a life as man and relates to our weaknesses. How wonderful is that, that Jesus, my King, my Savior, my Judge, understands the weaknesses I face. The need and ability to relate to his creation is a key part of what empathy is all about. The whole point of these past two weeks of looking at the divinity of Christ as well as the humanity of Christ is that we can walk away with a greater appreciation for who God is and what he accomplished in the person of Jesus Christ. What does it mean that Jesus was a real man? If you deny the divinity of Jesus in favor of his humanity, you severely limit the length to which God was willing to go to save us from ourselves. But if, on the other hand, you deny the humanity of Christ in favor of the God aspect of who Jesus was, then you distort the nature of sin and temptation. And you lose the benefit of knowing that God wanted, no, needed to have an empathetic and compassionate relationship with us. It is an amazing blessing to know that the creator of the world who spoke the world into existence with a breath also knows what I face on a daily basis and also knows the weaknesses that I have. I want to close with a small passage from the second servant song, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. Is it too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept? I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. The servant, the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one to save God's people, Jesus Christ, was an amazing loving creator as well as a man that relates to everything that we're going through. And there you have it. So you see that the nature of Jesus as both man and God is an important aspect to our faith. You can't have one or the other. The argument starts to fall apart. The, the idea of a God who would love us and be compassionate and also merciful without being able to relate to our weaknesses just doesn't stand up. And the idea that uh, Jesus was just some good teacher also doesn't stand up. The, the, the nature of what he came to do, the things he taught, the things he said, the power he demonstrated and the miracles he performed uh, just don't line up with a truthful 
servant of God. If if he was pretending to be that, then he he would have been a liar if he didn't actually have a share in divinity. So I thank you for joining me today. I'm sure that there are questions out there. If you do have questions, feel free to reach out to us. Our email address is swkcoc at gmail.com. That's uh, the email address for the Southwest Kitchener Church of Christ. If you're in the Kitchener area and you're looking to plug into a church family, let us know. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to. We'd love to meet you. We're we're looking at, at, at just involving as many people as we can in God's family. Uh, if you are in a church and this is a helpful ministry to you, uh, we'd encourage you to share this uh, wherever you find it. Um, share it with others if you found this to be helpful in your walk. We'd love to uh, be an encouragement to more people. And again, I I thank you for, for tuning in today, and I pray that God will bless you in your walk this week.